Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, ho, 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 Seattle. It's time for Happy Hour Radio. Hey, thanks for joining in. It's uh, happy December to you. Tis the season. Hope everything is merry and bright. We've had some great weather and loving that sunset and the blue skies. And uh, I'm sure that'll change, but uh, it's always warm and cozy right here on Happy Hour Radio every Saturday night, 570 uh, KVI AM. From 6 to 7, you ever miss a show, check out our website. It's happyhourradio.net. If you're on the Twitter sphere, it's at happyhrradio. We're doing some tweeting and talking about the best in wine, food, beer, cider, spirits, uh, chefs, events, and education from all around the world. And I'm excited today because uh, I've got uh, two great guests, or I should say three. Uh, my first guest is the executive um, vice president of Diversified Communications, which is based in New York. And uh, I studied communications in college, and so obviously I'm in the communications field now with radio and mass media. Uh, so that's always fun to talk to a, a peer, a fellow professional. Uh, but she's uh, working with um, an international organization called Vin Expo, and I had the pleasure of attending uh, Vin Expo Hong Kong. And this is the largest well, maybe it's the second largest, they say, uh, of all these trade-only uh, industry um, trade shows which involve uh, wineries and spirit distilleries and, and providing opportunities for buyers and sellers to meet and converse and taste and host um, in different cities around the world. There's one in Germany called Pro Wine, and of course there's one in Italy called Vin Italy, and then uh, Vin Expo in Bordeaux, Vin Expo in Hong Kong. But the great news, uh, all my friends, winemakers and distillers and sommeliers and all the trade who tune in, uh, this is an opportunity to head over to New York in March and really have the world come to you. And it's just a phenomenal experience just to see how many different uh, purveyors there are, and also a chance to not only enjoy the luxury brands, which we're familiar with, but to find those great gems uh, in in emerging uh, regions and countries, uh, just like Washington State. So without further ado, um, Mary Larkin with Diversified Communications, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Nice to be here. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I was talking about Vin Expo, and I was in Hong Kong, and it was just a phenomenally huge show. It was three floors, I think, if I recall correctly, and there were side of like two or three football fields. Um, But you have one coming to New York, and uh, that's uh, coming in March 5th and 6th. Is that a weekend, or is that during the week? It's a Monday, Tuesday, so it's a trade-only event, so it's typically on business days. Um, we're looking forward to it uh, coming up now in March. It's just around the corner. Excellent. So what will take place over these two days in New York? And it's called Vin Expo New York, right? This is the title? It's called Vin Expo New York. So it's it's a trade event with um, primarily international companies, uh, wine producers, who are wanting to either get into the U.S. market or to increase their distribution in the U.S. market. Um, so we, we'll have um, probably 350 exhibiting companies um, or wine producers. Uh, we'll have master classes, um, conference sessions, um, some tastings. Uh, we're um, doing a lot of work with the wine press right now. 
Um, so it's really sort of the industry gathering uh, for the for the wine and spirits industry in it's the U.S. Excellent. Has this uh, event taken place in the United States before? I know that there are different trade associations, whether the Union de Grand Cru of Bordeaux or the Association of uh, Galician Wine Producers or Spain. So they do some tours around the United States and Canada, I'm sure. Um, but has Vin Expo come to the United States before? Yes, Vin Expo was in the United States in the early 2000s. Um, the the market probably wasn't as evolved then, and doing a trade show in the U.S. is obviously very different than it is in Europe or in Asia. Um, that's sort of the business that I focus on. But they were here in the past, um, decided to pull out at the time, but now the timing is lining up to be perfect with, you know, there's a lot of interest. It's the number one um, wine-consuming market in the world. Uh, it's you know, the opportunity um, to expand distribution. E-commerce is changing the industry a little bit from from the business side of things. And also, um, we just feel that the timing is right. And we partnered, we started on a partnership with Vinexpo maybe two years ago and worked towards um, this first event in upcoming March. Well, it's very exciting. Uh, I know that I plan to attend. I've already purchased my airfare. <laughs> Just got to figure out what uh, wonderful hotel. Yeah, what hotel we'll be staying at. And uh, um, tell me about some of the master classes, or I should step back. Tell me, like, some of the countries. I imagine, of course, we'll have France and Spain and Italy, but I'm looking at uh, this list, and you have some countries that perhaps many Americans uh, or retailers and restaurants don't necessarily think of. Uh, no, there's um, countries from, like, there's um, companies coming from Moldova, from obviously the New World Wines um, with Argentina. Um, we have some on Australia. There's a, a large pavilion coming from Australia. We have Moldova, um, Greece, uh, obviously France, Italy, Spain. Um, we have some companies coming in from Russia. Um, yeah, it's it's quite the expanse. I think by the time all said and done, we'd probably have 12 to 14 countries represented. And France obviously has a big presence. And then within that, there's regions that are, are coming to attend, like the Champagne region, um, the, the um, uh, Châteauneuf du Pape. Um, Rhone Valley, you know, so there's there's sub regions within um, each each uh, country. Excellent. And so we talk so we'll about. I think that's really exciting. I was just had the pleasure of visiting uh, the Southern Rhone for my first time in September and had a fantastic visit to, uh, of course, the Chateau de Pop region and uh, the, the Cote Roti and Northern Rhone, etc. Um, so I, I really found a greater appreciation for those wines. Um, I see that you've got uh, the country of Croatia coming, which is pretty fun because uh, one of my pals here in studio yeah. <laughs> has some Croatian heritage. Uh, so that'll be pretty neat. But let's talk about some of those master classes, what could one of a trade person expect to learn uh, at uh, Vin Expo in New York in March? Well, typically in a master class, um, you will have uh, some, like an expert or um, a presenter from that particular winery or region talking about um, a particular vintage. So they will talk about everything from the terroir to the actual production of the wine um, sometimes, you know, the food servings um, or food matchings that go with um, this particular wine or pair with this wine, uh, and it could it can sometimes be 
if it's like a region as an example, they'll have six or seven different wines from that specific region but that all have different nuances. If it's a particular winery, they tend to have several different vintages. So it's it's very educational. The one thing, like I, let's just say I do a lot for the um, U.S. wine consumption um, statistics myself, but I would say <laughs> that the education is fascinating to me. Um, I, I find it really interesting when you you learn like everything from, you know what. Flavor is in this wine, and and there's always something new that that you get out of it, and obviously nuances of weather and how it's affected a particular vintage. You learn all about that. Um, we are doing a couple of tastings as well with the um, Wine Origins Group, um, so they they're doing a tasting with some of the members, which is the group that um, focuses on protecting like the names of particular regions so they will have Chateauneuf de Pape and Champagne and Napa Valley and so on so there's there's a, a tastings group as well and then um, we're also working with Wine Spectator on a, a particular tasting as, so that's probably a half day to a full day type of event uh, during the show Wow. So um, for all the trade, there there's a website that people can go to to check out some of these classes and some of the exhibitors that will be attending. Is that true? Yes, vinexponewyork.com. Vinexponewyork.com. You can register there. What's uh, what's trade registration cost? Register there. Yeah, is that $300? Or, I mean, I know that trade shows of this magnitude tend to be, on a professional level, I see trade show uh, fees from you know, 295 to 1295 What's the uh, ballpark for uh, a trade uh, professional to attend VinExpo this year? At this point, it's $125. Um, it will go up to $150 on site. Um, we are including the education because this is our let's just say it's our first year of working together. We are including the conference and the and the tastings within that um fee. So there's no add on fees. It's it's um if you show up on the day it will be hundred and fifty dollars. Just make sure you bring your ID. <laughs> oh right. Yeah uh, <laughs> we we were a control state here in Washington so we know all about uh um, making sure everyone's a, a valid twenty one an adult to be drinking. So you will have yes. you'll have both uh wineries and uh distilleries, is that correct? Will you have like um scotches from Scotland or cognac from France or what sort of the spirits will be coming right now the spirits um tend to be there's some um whiskey but there's also some vodkas um from different uh companies um there's not that much spirits it's really focusing on wines at this point uh the one issue we've had um is we've run out of exhibit space um (laughs) and so for a new event to to get to a point where you're as good as sold out a few months before is really phenomenal. And uh, so we're, we're at the point where it's majority wines. Well, congratulations. Uh, I know all the work that goes into it. I produce an industry conference here in Seattle called uh, the Sommelier Summit. Um, and I see that you have South Africa there. So are you working with um, Jim Clark with South African Wines? Well, actually, the the sales team is probably um, working with ah. with him. Um, we're working with wines. Of, we tend to work with 
um, different offices. So sometimes the offices are out of South Africa itself, or sometimes they're out of the U.S., so it varies right. on who we work with. I get it. So Pexas and the Balzacs and the Colangelos of the world. So how many people does it take to put exactly. on a, a, a – how many staff mm-hmm. people does it take to put on a conference of this magnitude? Um, well, it takes a village for certain. Um, it, we're, right now, the um, team in Bordeaux from the Expo, um, that's a 20-person strong team. And here in Diversified Communications, we have, well, we're a um, 600-person company, but the team, the, the team that's working closely together um, on a day-to-day basis is around 15 to 20. But when, that, when the actual event takes place, that team will probably close to double um, at the show just to make sure that everyone has a good experience and that we get people onto the show floor quickly and that they actually do some business. I'm sure. Wow. Well, that sounds fantastic. It's very exciting to learn about VinExpo. I am really excited to be attending. And, of course, New York is quite the, the place to, to have a, a world-class event in with the restaurants and entertainment. And I'm staying a couple extra days because, you know, we're kind of far. We're on the, of course, Seattle to New York. Uh, so, once again, it's uh, VinExpo.com. VinExpoNewYork.com. All right. So uh, I hope all our my friends. Hey, by the way, is there a Washington Pavilion by chance? A Washington State uh, uh, area? Not right. Not right now. the The whole goal of this at this point was to help with U.S. distribution uh, right. um, for inter- a lot of international companies trying to get into the marketplace. Sure. So um, it it's. There's some New York wines, um, New York State, uh, they have some wineries that will be participating. But we are looking forward to the event expanding and to be able to welcome the whole industry where, you know, you have U.S. wines and French and Croatian and South African, Australia, New Zealand. (laughs) So we're looking forward to being the world of wine. Well, congratulations on being sold out. I'm super excited. VinExpoNewYork.com. Mary Larkin, Executive Vice President of Diversified Communications. Hey, thanks so much for sharing the Vin Expo in New York with me here on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much. We look forward to seeing you in March. Yeah, I'll be sure to introduce myself. All right, cheers. Hey, folks, stick around. I'm going to talk uh, with some cool cats who wrote a great book called Red Wine. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, 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 that's me, Christopher Chan. Hey, thanks for uh, tuning in. Time for round two, and I got two cool cats uh, on the other end of, of this phone line because it is the season for giving, and when you think about giving, of course, uh, you've seen the Washington Wine billboards about giving Washington wine. 
which uh, incidentally is illegal. You can't give alcohol in Washington State, but I thought that's pretty funny. Also, um, there's lots of cool uh, gift ideas from ranging from books or bar towels, of course, glassware and wine openers, um, of course, uh, tickets to tasting experiences. Uh, but I got this great book in the mail. It's called Red Wine, and I know that sounds pretty generic, but it's the comprehensive guide to the 50 essential varieties and styles written by uh, really three people, but I've got two. I've got Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen. Um, they are the authors, along with uh, the inimitable and celebrated, really one of the godfathers of our industry, um, Kevin Zraeli. Kevin was the uh, director of wine at Windows uh, on the World, and that was at the Trade Center in New York City. And, of course, we know what happened there. Um, but uh, Kevin still survives, and uh, he has partnered with uh, uh, Mike and Jeff to to write this book. And this book has got... Um, it's a nice hardcover book. It's got beautiful photography, but it talks about grape varieties and then some styles and blends. So, uh, hey, Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, thanks for having us. Uh, we're yeah, we're thrilled to uh, to be on the air with you, Christopher. Yeah, thanks, Christopher. We're happy to be here. All right, so that's Mike as the first voice, and Jeff's our second voice. So, gentlemen, um, so Mike, tell me, how did you get into wine? And uh, let's talk about a little bit about your career. Tell me. Sure. You know, I actually I studied journalism um, at NYU, um, and I was always one of those kids. Even as a young kid, I was always into you know into cooking. Um, for my twelfth birthday, I got a crepe pan, uh, which is wow. uh, pretty unusual. And so I was really into cooking. Um, into I would I would I always wanted to go out to eat. And uh, also, growing up Italian American, there was on Sundays at least there was always wine on the table, and my grandfather used to let me sip from his glass. Um, so I grew up with an appreciation of food and of wine. And then going to college in New York City, I was, you know, I always, um, I mean, not to say that I didn't go to bars and clubs, but I would save up my money and go out to good restaurants. So um, I really approached it from, you know, from that side, like came into it um, pretty much as a as a guest in hospitality. I also worked in some restaurants. Um but then, you know, after school and kind of, you know, kind of down the road a bit, I wound up working in business. I worked in the fashion industry and I was like, you know, I studied journalism. I want to write. And um, I kind of was like, all right, but but I got to write. Like, if you're going to write, they always say, if you're going to write, you got to, you know, find the thing that you love and write about it. And at that time in my life had, you know, um, you know, expanded beyond just eating at restaurants in New York City and had started traveling around the world, traveling to Europe, you know, to, to France and to Spain and to Italy. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to write about travel and I'm going to write about wine. So and, you were um, inspired. And what, what I, year is this? What decade are we talking about? This is going back about, I would say about 10, you know, about 10 years ago. So around 2006, um, I, I started to do some writing and, um, you know, we'll get into the whole story of how like Jeff and I got together and all that. But um, Jeff and I um, have have we have a house in the south of Spain together and I started to write a book, actually, um, 
kind of on the, you know, sort of like that um, under the Tuscan sun, a year in Provence. I, so I started to write this this book about, you know, our journey buying a house together in the south of Spain. And um, there was a lot of wine, a lot of food in it. And, you know, in talking to people and everyone was like, oh, well, you know, you, you know, you need to get published, you know, elsewhere and started writing for a publication called International Living as the um, the Spain correspondence. So letting people who are interested in buying a house overseas know what day-to-day life was having a home in Spain. And then <laughs> fast forward. Now, here's the crazy part. Jeff and I had a conversation about writing and, you know, kind of talking about, like, who do you want to write for and what do we want to do and where do you want to take this? And Jeff looked at me and said, you know, I think that we should really look at writing for, you know, wine spectator, wine enthusiast, savour, gourmet. And I was like, oh, you, you set the bar real low there, buddy. Thank you. And um, <laughs> this is going back to, like, 2008. Pitched an article. First time, I mean, over the transom pitch never even should have been read um, by Tom Matthews at Wine Spectator. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, okay, so I faxed the pitch to him. That's how that, – just think about that, you know, that that Wine Spectator at the time was still accepting pitches by fax. By fax. And um, got an email back from him the next day. Um, it took some time. There was some back and forth, but wound up with an eight-page cover story on architect-designed wineries in Rioja in Wine Spectator. I think I remember that issue. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was kind of a, um, you know, a a knock it out of the box, uh, you know, introduction to writing in the world of wine. And especially if you're getting paid by the word, (laughs) which really helps. Well, let's get Jeff's story. Uh, Jeff Jensen, um, you're a New Yorker, and tell me about you. Yeah, uh, I'm, uh, you know, born and raised uh, right across the river in New Jersey, you know, 15 minutes from New York City. So, you know, I was 12 years old, 13 years old. My parents would let me take the bus into the city, you know, so I always had this, you know, desire and, uh, you know, idea that I wanted, you know, more culture than New Jersey. And I don't mean to knock New Jersey, but more than New Jersey had. So, um, you know, I was studying, uh, going to college. I went to Rutgers in New Jersey, went out to grad school in Chicago. And while I was working out in Chicago, I was working as a waiter. And the restaurant that I worked in had a really, you know, a pretty extensive wine list. And, you know, as a waiter, you're not allowed to drink, you know, even when you bring those empty glasses back, you know, uh, or semi-empty glasses back to the kitchen. (laughs) But I would always smell the glasses and try to imagine what the wine would taste like. So um, one day my manager came to me and he said, hey, you know, Jeff, you sell more wine than anybody. We want you to be our uh, wine steward. I'm like, hey, great. So he said, listen, you know, it means you come to work an hour early for every shift. You count the bottles, and when we have less than 12, you know, you order another case. I said, gosh, I can do that. That's easy. I can count. And I said, how much extra does it pay? And he said, well, it doesn't pay any extra. It's just the, you know, the honor of being the wine steward. And I said, listen, I'm going to grad school. I don't have, you know, four extra hours to take away from studying. And I really want to, like, you know, do something, you know, that that's going to be like, you know, a, a good job in the world of wine. So I said, so there's this thing I've heard about. It's called a sommelier. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, this, and, and this is in Chicago, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, so I said, listen, I want to go to school to be a sommelier. So I was 
I studied, you know, to be a sommelier, and I went to all types of classes and stuff. Uh, so I did work as a wine steward sommelier before we had any training or any formal, you know, degrees, you know, no MS or, you know, masters of wine back then. But um, so I really, my, my life was really about wine. So then, you know, Mike and I, when we sat down, it was like, listen, how do you want to write about this? And what do you want to do? You know, I did say that. I want, you know, Wine Spectator, Wine Enthusiast, all those big magazines. And we were really honored and, and blessed to be able to have that, you know, totally knock it out of the park uh, article in Wine Spectator. And then all of a sudden people were like, hey, who's Mike and Jeff? Who are these guys? You know? And uh, so we eventually started writing for Wine Enthusiast, and we've been on the masthead now for eight or nine years. So we're the entertaining and lifestyle editors there. So, you know, as our in our vision of you know writing about wines from around the world, we do get to write, write about wines from you know pretty much all six continents that make wine. You know, and we've been to all six continents, and we kind of jokingly say that we will be the first journalist to go to Antarctica when they start making ice wine. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we love to travel. You know, we drink wine, we travel, we drink wine, and we, we talk about it and we write about it. So, you know, we're really in, in this situation. This is our fifth book, and to write this book with our friend and colleague, Kevin Drally, is a real honor for us because Kevin's such a great guy, and he's also um, – sold more wine books than any other wine author out there. He sold more than 3 million books. So Kevin knows how to write books. He knows how to, you know, market books. And when we had the opportunity to write with him, we talked about it, and, and he was like, yeah, let's do this. So here we are with, you know, our new book, Red Wine. Very cool. So I know that Charlie Trotter was one of the meccas for wine and food in Chicago for many, uh, many years. And uh, yes. many master sommeliers actually uh, graduated from that restaurant and pursued right. their MS degrees. Uh, and so I'm right. friends with them. And of course, uh, Sean Sullivan and Paul Greggett are good pals here out in Washington State and wine enthusiast hey. writers. Yeah, well, shout out to uh, both, both of them. <laughs> hey, guys, how you doing? We'll see you at the next uh, annual conference. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and um, so we're going to take a break here in just about a minute. Um, but how did you get from – how did you meet uh, Mike, Jeff? I mean, you went from Chicago and you went yeah. to New York and – Well, yeah, I came, I came back home, so to speak, back to New York, and I was living in the city, and as, as was Mike. And we were both training for a charity bike ride uh, from Boston to New York, 350 miles in four days. So we met on a training ride. We started talking about riding. We started talking about wine. And, you know, um, we took a vacation together to Burgundy. Wow. Which I have to say was one of those, like, aha moments because, you know, Burgundy is a Hold that thought. Place. Hey, Jeff, hold yeah. that thought. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, I'm going to get this aha moment with uh, the authors uh, Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen of Red Wine right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Hey, time for round three. Hope you got something tasty in your glass, perhaps three fingers or something, perhaps white burgundy or red burgundy. And I've got Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen, who are the uh, co-authors 
of a great book, The Comprehensive Guide to the 50 Essential Varieties and Styles of Red Wine. It's titled Red Wine, and uh, Jeff, you were just talking about the aha moment. You met Mike training uh, for a 350-mile bike ride. You guys took a trip to Burgundy, and what happened? So, you know, it was one of these, and bike, you know, uh, wine regions are really excellent to bike because there are some rolling hills, and, you know, you have the ability to, to in, in Burgundy, for example, to pedal from town to town. So what we would do is we'd go out for like 30, 40-mile rides during the day, and we'd, you know, carry our stuff on our panniers and basically, you know, go five miles and stop at the winery and, you know, taste and spit, you know, because we are on our bikes. And we would do that, you know, visiting all these amazing little villages. And, you know, I have a love affair with Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay. And uh, to the point now that we were in, inducted into the um, the confrérie of the Chevalier de Tassin at the Clos de Rougeau in Burgundy just a couple of years ago. So, you know, one of the things, uh, I'm a real, you know, Burghound. I, I love Burgundy. And riding my bike through this amazing, you know, region was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to ride my bike, drink wine, and write about it. <laughs> uh, for our, all the bike riders out there know what panniers are. Those are the little saddlebags kind of things that you put on the front and back yeah. end of your wheels. Yes, uh, exactly. Pretty exciting. Well, of course, uh, it seems that we all aspire, all evolve at some point in our lives to the pinnacle of wine, which tends to be, well, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, which is also part of Champagne. But Burgundy's fantastic. Right. So, um, Mike, let's start talking about this this fantastic book. First of all, uh, you've got some wonderful pictures here, but I'm curious, how do you how did you find 50 essential varieties and styles? I mean, w w was there a list of 200 and you said, okay, that's too big? Um, do you know? I think uh, I think actually, if you look at you know one of the uh, books that came out a couple of years ago, which um, which you really have to narrow down from is um, Jantis Robinson's Wine Grapes, which I think <laughs> has like you know twelve hundred. I have that book. Yeah, um, yeah, which is a wonderful reference tool for uh, all of us who uh, you know who work in wine. Um, so that obviously is more than a lot of people want to n need to know. And um, we, you know we kind of we sat down and we said you know what like what do people drink and. I'm Obviously, you know, there's most consumers that you talk to, you know, if you say like, what are your, you know, what are your favorite red wines? You know, they can, they can kind of reel off Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, Syrah, Merlot, um, like that. And then beyond that, it gets a little fuzzy. Um, I think part of the fact that we've traveled so much um, and also with some of the interesting things that, you know, that we get to taste when there are, you know, different regional trade tastings. In New York, you know, there's there's like these up and coming uh, grapes from the uh, obviously some of the oldest wine regions in the world, but they're still emerging in terms of the U.S. market. So you've got you know Croatia and Bulgaria and Georgia. Um, so besides the obvious ones, we looked and said, you know, there's some really cool things out there that are interesting to people. They are in the market. Um, and if we don't want this book to be, you know, fit, you know, cover the, you know, cover the seven that everyone knows off the top of their head, <laughs> we want to expand. We can, you know, do talk about Plavic Mali from Croatia and talk about Mavrud from Bulgaria and, you know, and, and talk about Aguiritico from Greece and, 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 you know, kind of, kind of open it up. And, and we, you know, we want people like ourselves, we want people who work in the business but are, may not be familiar, um, especially if they don't live in major wine markets. They might not have access to all these wines. We want them to know a little bit more about it to help their exploration. 
And we also want consumers to, you know, to kind of expand their mind and, and break out of the box and, and, and look at some different styles of wine or some, you know, some different countries that they might not have thought about before. It's pretty cool. I think people are starting to break into the box with all the new box wines we have. And how yeah, ironic, you know, I uh, have the book in front of me and I turned the, I did the rabbit ear on Plavik Mali. And so, uh, wow. Jeff, why don't you tell me about this grape? So if I turn to this page, what are some of the um, components you have in the book that helps uh, consumers and professionals alike understand these grapes? Yeah, you know, um, well, Plavich Mali is a is a, a grape that I really like, and and many people uh, thought that it might actually be the same as Zinfandel. And, and University of California studies have shown that it's not. It's one of the parents of Zinfandel uh, or Tribidag. But that said, you know, one of the things that's really um, important to us is I taste a lot of Plavich Mali. I'm the official taster at Wine Enthusiast magazine for wines from the former Yugoslavia, including Croatia, where Plavich Mali is from. And, um, you know, readers, the way we broke the book out is that, you know, people can take a look at the first page, always on the left-hand side. First of all, you can read underneath the word Plavich Mali, how to pronounce it. Yes. Plavich Mali, you know. Very cool. And, and then, so we tell you how to pronounce it. Then we tell you the color. We show you the color in like a, a little linear graph. And then, like we give you some tasting notes, and we, we you know, tell you you're going to taste some plum, some cherries, maybe some cassis, you know. And then, so we have those little infographics that show you those three things. And then we write a little paragraph. You know, aromas include black plum, dry cherry, black raspberry, cassis. You know, on your palate, expect a big, full-bodied, high-alcohol, viscous wines. You know, and examples from Dingotch can actually have alcohol levels ranging from 13 to 17%. And then we talk a little bit more about the flavors. And then we also talk about, um, you know, like uh, what you should know about the wine. And then we give you some food pairings. And whenever I've been in uh, Croatia, you know, I love a nice Plavich Mali with a, a, a nice piece of beef, you know, or, or lamb or pork. But something that's cooked over an open grill, you know, just really that that big, bold, red, you know, uh, red wine. This is not like, you know, a wimpy little Gamay or Berg, you know, or Pinot Noir. <laughs> you know, this is this is a big wine. And then then we also, you know, give you recommended wines and we break it down into four regions, you know, uh, or four uh, price points, bargain, under $20, and then we give you a few examples, and then value from 20 to $40, and then special occasion from 40 to $99, and then we have another category called splurge, you know, for anything over $100. And you'll notice in our book, Christopher, that we don't have any splurge wines for Plavich Mali because... You can't find a Plavich Mali over $100, which is a really good thing. <laughs> well, that's so, great. I'm, I'm digging this because I love the fact that you break it down like a sommelier from color and acidity and body and tannin. Those are great for red wines. People should know that. That's tactile. Food pairings are wonderful. And, of course, some of these names, um, to understand some of the wineries, recommended wines is very important. And then you do a little summary. And I'm looking at the book, too. And how ironic that Mike Gergich, who was a Croatian guy with Gergich Cellars, um, had urged the, the uh, uh, research for this grape. And I see you gave him some credit there. Pretty neat. Um, yes, here's yes. another grape. So, Mike, uh, tell me about uh, Okuzu Gozu. <laughs> yeah, easy for you to say. Um, you know, that, that is a, it's a grape from uh, 
Turkey, and um, I actually I taste the wines from Turkey for How wine about enthusiasts. That? So that you know, so that's really one of the ways that I was um, introduced to that. Um, you know, it's kind of cool. It means uh, it means bullseye in Turkish, and um, I think actually that that might be kind of right because uh, it really is the the one variety that will probably become like Turkey's best known variety. Um, it's a uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, if you take, like, kind of in a blind tasting, you wouldn't know what it was. And I think that one of the cool things is with these indigenous grapes from countries that people don't ordinarily think of as wine-growing countries, um, I think that sometimes we have this idea that they're going to be, like, rustic and heavy and poorly sure. made and rusty. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like – and I think it's surprising sometimes. I love to, you know, like, pull out a bottle at a dinner party and, you know, and I'll, and I'll pair it with something. I'll pair it with, um, you know, with eggplant or I'll pair it with lamb and I'll, you know, kind of pour it and not really say what it is and just pour it. And everyone's like, wow, I like this. And what is it? You know, and then when you say, oh, this is Okus Gozu from Turkey, everybody's really surprised. And they're like, wow, this is a really good wine. I really like this. I never heard of this. And, and so, you know, it, it's good to know that you can, that, you know, and, you know, you know this, just because you never heard of the grape before doesn't mean that people can't make a really good wine out of it. That's for sure. Hey, we're going to take another little break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how to get this book, and we'll also talk about um, some of the blends that you have here listed in the book Red Wine. Um, and it's interesting, too, because when you say, I'm thinking that uh, obviously a white grape called Gruner Veltliner has a little nickname called Groovy. Uh, is there a nickname for Okuguzu? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, um, and it would be really wrong to call it oaky because they're usually made with little or no oak. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Or if, if people want to, maybe it's a grape from Oklahoma. <laughs> really? Who knows? You know what, Christopher? You can you, we can uh, you know credit you right now with it. So if you want to call it Ogo or you know whatever, this can be your thing. Yeah, go oh, you... go zoo or go home. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. All right. Hey, speaking with uh, Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen, authors of Red Wine. It's a really cool book, so stick around. We're going to talk more with these cool cats right here on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original, Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Time for our fourth and final segment, but uh, life, it's a Saturday night, so I'm sure the party continues. And I'm having a good time with uh, two authors, Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen of Red Wine. These guys are are out of New York, uh, the city and the state, um, but they're actually on the West Coast, so we're chatting uh, about their cool book, The Comprehensive Guide to 50 Essential Varieties and Styles. Now, we talked about two really fun grapes that I had never really heard about. Um, To be honest, I had actually never heard about them. Um, but there is a uh, another uh, section in your book called Styles and Blends, and one here caught my eye because I believe it uh, it takes me to my childhood when I remember my dad, who's a big enophile, um, drinking bull's blood. Let's talk about this style or blend called Bikaver. Well, you know, again, um, this is one of the, the uh, categories that I taste for wine enthusiasts. And I am Hungarian. I'm half Hungarian. So Bikavar, I drank Bull's Blood when I was a kid, too. 
and uh, or as uh, I'm sorry, as an adult <laughs> legally allowed to drink uh, bull's blood. But um, that said, you know, um, the, the wines that I drank, you know, 20, 30 years ago were not very good. And let's be honest. So, you know, we had this thing called communism in, in Hungary for years. And, you know, it was really quantity over quality. So what has happened now is that, you know, the grandsons and granddaughters of winemakers that were making wine for the Communist Party are now making wine for themselves. So they're very, very proud of their wines. So Bicavar is a blend, much like a Bordeaux blend. And generally, it comes from the region of Egar or Sesgar. But basically, it, it has a couple different varieties, and some have to be in it, and some don't have to be in it. But Cabernet Franc, Merlot, um, Kekfrancos, Zweigelt, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Kekoporto are some of the grapes that can go into this blend. So when you have some good winemakers, and you'll see under our recommended wine section, we talk about wines that are bargain and value so that means bargain they're under twenty dollars and these are some really really amazing wines and i'm not trying to take anything away from bordeaux and i love bordeaux and we, <laughs> we of course in our book we recommend you know chateau margot and petrus and all of those you know ethereal wines splurge wines really pretty love. much yeah well yeah they're all splurges and, and splurge times six or seven you know? <laughs> yeah super splurge but, and those are wines that we all love as wine geeks. But, you know, when it when it comes time to go into the wine shop, you know, it, it, I, we want to show people that there are some amazing wines out there, value wines. And all they need to do is learn a little bit about the wines. And that's that's why we wrote this book. You know, we wrote this book to give people the information that they need to walk into a wine shop and be educated. You know, and, and that's, you know, and, and for, for people like yourself and for, you know, like us, you know, geeks, we want to learn something that we might not know about that grape. And I found this to be true. Um, I'm really excited about it because it's really I laid out A to Z from uh, as you was it Agliagirtico to uh, Zweigelt. Yeah, yeah Agliagirtico. I, yeah. I always have trouble with that one, but Aglianico is it's next. Greek to me. It's Greek to you too. But Aglianico <laughs> is a really cool grape. One of my favorite grapes out of the southern Italy, um, and I think people should learn about that. But uh, let's talk about how to get this book. Where uh, we have a little company called Am- Amazon here Amazon. in Seattle. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. But uh, where else can we find your book? Um, it you is can a, find it. It's actually a, a – let me go talk, ahead, man. Um, Mike. Yeah, go ahead. You talk. <laughs> it's at, it is at uh, you know bookstores across the country. I know that it's in a lot of independent bookstores as well. It's at Barnes & Noble. Um, it Also, I do know that um, if anyone wants to contact Kevin Zrelli via his website, kevinsrelli.com, he had, we actually went up and signed a lot of autographs. The three of us signed books together, so you can buy them directly from Kevin. We're, we're actually on the road traveling, promoting um, the book, so we're not able to ship books out to people, but uh, Kevin can do that. You know, and I, do, I know you're in Washington State, and I just want to really quickly point out that there's about 13 different grapes that we talk about that grow in Washington, whether we do individual listings or whether we, or whether we just mention that the grape grows there. But there's a pretty good cross-section. We've got Barbera, Blaufrankisch, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Carmen Air Senso, Dolcetto, GSM Blends, Malbec, Meritage, Merlot, Surat, Tempranillo, and Zweigelt. So we, uh, so we cover Washington State, not A to Z, but B to Z, which uh, – 
I think I think is pretty cool. That's <laughs> really cool. I love it. We do have a great uh, literary thespian uh, culture here with uh, the rain and the beer and the coffee. So we dig uh, small bookshops as well. Uh, retail price for the book is this is a uh, looks like a thirty nine ninety five book or what's the no, price? No, no, no. It's, it's even better than that. Ah, how about that, that? You're looking at the Canadian price. That's it. Happy hour radio deal for all of our listeners. Hey, uh, Mike DeSimone and Jeff Jensen, what a real treat. Uh, pleasure to get to know you, uh, and also a pleasure to see your book. It's quite a, a well-done tome, um, and I guess we'll look for the 50 Essential Whites coming up? Uh, well, uh, you never know. Third, uh, you might. You all might right. see that soon. We'll <laughs> see, see you in Washington State. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks so Cheers. much. Thanks. Take care. Hey, folks, hope you dug the show. Uh, we talked about Vin Expo in New York and, of course, this great book, Red Wine. Um, remember, when you're out and about, uh, it's dark and rainy sometimes, so uh, be careful. And life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.